0: Hi, I'm Dominic Insinius, Leader of the Heart. I want to welcome you to the Heart Podcast. Thank you for letting us be a small part in your journey of faith. I hope this message today encourages you and strengthens you. Big things can happen when we expect God to move, so I pray today that God would speak to you through this message. Um, I'm grateful that you all are here today. We are starting a brand new message series today, and if you're not familiar with church or haven't been in a while, message series, we just have a few weeks in a row where we stick on a particular topic or something we really want to dig into and see how it can apply to our faith. As we talk about things on Sunday, it's all going to be about application. Rarely will we have a, a, a message where it's just about putting knowledge into your brain. There's nothing wrong with that. You can become knowledgeable about anything that you want to, but we really try to focus on how we can apply what we're learning into our everyday life. I you know Sundays are, are, are a lot of fun and we, like, and we, and we get dressed up and we, and we get encouraged by the songs and the message, but life happens throughout the week too, right? On Monday, we, re- we realize that we don't like our job that much, or we forget all the things that we have to do for the week, and we forget that this person's mad at us, or that we're mad at them, or we can't remember which one, so we're not going to reach out. I'm not going to call them. I'm not going to text them. That's on them. Okay, that's some things I got going on. Maybe that's not you. But these are the things that happen throughout the week. So we want to be able to take what we're learning and apply it into our life. Oh, thank you so much. Bless. And today, we're starting a new series called Close. And we're going to go for a few weeks, three weeks, and I want to talk about three people. I'm going to take snippets of the stories of three people who were the closest to Jesus. When Jesus was walking around, when he was doing his ministry, when he was healing people and, 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 and teaching people and getting mad at religious people. It's one of my favorite things that Jesus ever does is get mad at religious people and say mean things to them. Call them snakes. It's a lot of fun. So what I want to do is I want to see if we can get a glimpse of something, if we can get a glimpse of what it means to be close to Jesus and the different kinds of things we can experience by staying close to our faith and maybe how we can experience growth in our faith, in our relationships, in our health by being close to the people around us. So what I want to ask you, I want to start you with a question this morning and that is who knows you? Not who do you know well, who knows you? Who knows the silly things that you do and say and think? Not just who knows you, who really knows you? Who knows all the inner parts of you? A few days ago, um, my wife, uh, Amber, she was, uh, I wasn't there for it when it happened, but this is something that she knows about me. So I guess Corbin was on the couch, and he was, looking at his phone, and all of a sudden, he went like this. He went like this. And Amber said, oh, I know what that means, because you and your dad do that. And you know what that means? When me and Corbin do that, it means we are getting anxious about something we have to plan, and we're figuring out the time that we have to do it. And we work backwards on how much time we have to do what we planned on doing before we go do that thing, and there's never enough time. So now I, I feel like, I feel like you know, my wife, she's a good poker player too, so I feel like I have to, you know, I, have to, I can't give her my tells, you know? Another thing around my house, I don't know if you guys are like this, but this means a lot to Dominic. You ready? <sighs> I walk in, I say nothing, I look around, and I'm like... And Amber and Corbin, they're like, okay, what dad's looking at something. Let's, okay, there's his eyesight. Okay, that place is a mess. Let's go clean that up before he gets anxious even more. <sighs> Anybody else a deep sigher? They don't communicate, they just deep sigh. Okay, everybody back there. <laughs> okay, now we're some honesty. Okay, okay, okay. The questions are only gonna get harder. So, it, it, uh, so I have a few things that I give away that I, I, I don't know that I give away. And those that are close to me know that, you know, it's not, maybe it's not hard to know that when someone deep sighs, something's going on in their brain. But if you know me well enough, if you know Dominic well enough, a few deep sighs in a row, it means the anxiety is rising. If I'm late for something, deep sighs. Deep sighs all around. I'll just walk into whatever room Amber's in. <sighs> and then walk out. Ready? (laughs) Sometimes I'll do it for fun. I'm what what you would call a classic instigator. And so I'll walk in to the room, Amber's nowhere near ready, and I'll say, ready to go? (laughs) These are tips on how to have a healthy marriage. Do not do that. You almost ready? And I used to do this, and it started to not be fun anymore. I would say, you want me to wait in the car while you finish getting ready? Oh, that is tips, tips on how not to do it. Now, there, there, there's, some, there, there's some of these parts of us where maybe I wouldn't need to hang around you very long to, to see some of these things in you. But what I want to talk about today and over the next couple of weeks is not what you can just observe, okay, Because if you were around me long enough, you'd probably observe me deep sighing. You'd probably observe some of the things that I'm grumpy about, some of the things I have a negative attitude towards to. You would probably observe some of the things I, I really like or really like to talk about. But I'm not talking about just observing. I'm talking about who knows you past observations? Who knows the things that you love? Who knows the things that you fear? Do you have anyone in your life that you're willing to let see you that closely? Maybe for you and your family, maybe you're married or you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or wherever you're at in your relationship or you have kids or your parents. Somebody knows you, but how well do they know you? How well do they know all the parts of you? And some of us, this is true for myself, so maybe I won't put this on you. I'll ask you to consider this. Some of us, in our journey of faith, there were things that I didn't even want God to know. And somebody would say, well, Dom, God knows everything. And I was like, I don't think so. I haven't told him all of it. I hope he doesn't know that one. Because even if someone can observe something, there's still a part of us Right, We're big on choice here at the heart. Okay, Choice when it comes to giving, choice when it comes to serving, choice when it comes to praying, choice when it comes to even being here on a Sunday. You have choice in your life. And so it's one thing to be observed. It's one thing to have somebody know you. But it's a different thing. It's an intentional thing when you choose to be known by someone. That can't happen on accident. That can't happen with just you spending time with people. Because I've met couples who have been married for years and years, twice as long as, as my wife and I have, and you would think they hadn't spent a lot of time with each other. And I've met people, friends, who haven't been, haven't been friends that long or have, people who haven't been married that long, and it seems like they know each other so well. So what is that? Now, some of us are going to be naturally people who share. Is anyone like a natural oversharer? Anybody? Okay. I am as well. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Very good. I'll, I'll I mean, you, if you're here enough on Sundays, you know a lot about what's going on in Dom's life. And I'll just, I'll find some stranger and they'll say, Hey, how's church going? I'm like, you got an hour and a half. You know what I mean? I'll tell you about it and all the things I'm going through and what I told to my counselor this past week and what she said about it. Do you want to know her name? I'd like to recommend her to you. That's the kind of overshare I am. I get zero permission from Amber and Corbin to tell any stories about them on Sunday mornings because I'm just an over-sharer. So I'm I'm not suggesting you need to be like me. I'm not suggesting that all of a sudden, whoever you are in life, now you need to become this person who shares everything about what's going on inside of you. I'm not suggesting that you need to change your personality, and now, whenever someone wants to be your friend, now you have to drop everything and do everything you can to be their friend. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, who knows you, and do they know all of you? Have you made a choice for someone to get to know you, not just spend time around you, not just text you, not just call you, not just FaceTime you, but really get to know you? I said we were going to be talking about three uh, uh, of, of the men who were the closest to Jesus. If you don't know, there are three men called Peter James and John, there are some significant moments that are recorded, that are recorded in the Bible, significant moments in Jesus' life, in his ministry, that these three, it's almost over, it's almost over, I know, know, it gets long, it's long-winded, these are three men that were there for some significant moments in Jesus' ministry. And today I want to talk about a moment that happened with a man named Peter, and it might be a moment in Peter's life, in Jesus' life, that you might be familiar with, but I want to look at it maybe, just for fun, look at it from a different angle of what it means to be close to someone and what it means to be known by someone. Again, I want you to be thinking today, who knows you? Who knows what your deep sigh means? Who knows what your nervous tics look like? Who knows what kind of movies you do like to watch and don't like to watch? Who knows the movies you don't like to watch and won't make fun of you for not watching them? Who knows the kind of music you listen to? Who sends you, who sends you a song, who texts you a song and says, I think you'll like this? Who are the people in your life that know you? So I want to I look at this uh, particular scripture. We're going to be in John chapter 21, but I want to give you some, some, some context, okay? I, I want to kind of set the scene for you. Because what we're going to be looking at is going to be after Jesus dies and rose again. Spoiler alert, uh, Jesus dies, but then he comes back. So it's a happy ending. So I, what I want to look at is, if you don't know what happens, as Jesus is coming up to his death, his murder, his crucifixion, They have this little dinner, okay? You might have heard it referred to as the last supper, and I'm really really compacting this. They have this dinner, and Peter tells tells Jesus, I'll do whatever for you. I'm paraphrasing. I'll do whatever for you. I'll follow you to the ends of the earth. If you're going to die, I'm going to die too. And Jesus says, I appreciate that, Peter. However, you're going to deny that you even know me three times before this morning. And Peter's like, you're crazy. You're nuts. I would never deny you. Fast forward. Three different sets of people ask Peter about knowing Jesus, about following Jesus, about being there with Jesus, and Peter denies him three times. And Peter, can you imagine? Can you imagine making a promise to Jesus, him telling you, you're not going to keep this promise? You don't keep the promise. (laughs) I mean, I'm naturally prone towards guilt and shame anyway, but I don't know what, what kind of level of weight that would be on my shoulders, on my heart. And so I want to fast forward through all of that. Jesus dies. He rises again. He goes and, he goes and you know, sees the boys. The boys are back in town. You know, Jesus is back in town. He goes to talk to his disciples. And watch this interaction that he has with Peter. Remember, go back to Peter denying him three times, denying that he knew him. And then we fast forward to Jesus comes back, and he has this interaction with Peter. So that's what we're going to look at. John 21. Verses 15 through 17. Now, up here, I'm going to have the uh, Passion Translation. So w- when you when you look this up uh, or, or read this at home or you have it in your phones here, you have your Bibles, it might look a little bit different. That's okay. It's good to get different perspectives. What we're trying to do, what ancient uh, 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 language we're looking at, scholars have done over the years, way smarter than myself, if they're trying to translate this ancient culture, This ancient language into something that you and I can understand today. So if it looks a little bit different when you're looking at it, that's okay. All right, so let's look at this. This is John 21, verses 15 through 17. It says, after they had breakfast, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you burn with love for me more than these? And Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I have great affection for you. Jesus says, and take care of my sheep. Jesus repeated his question a second time. Simon, son of Jonah, do you burn with love for me? And Peter answered, yes, my Lord, you know that I have great affection for you. Jesus said, then take care of my sheep. Then Jesus asked him again, Peter, son of Jonah, do you have great affection for me? And Peter was saddened by being asked the third time and said, my Lord, you know everything. You know that I burn with love for you. And Jesus replied, then feed my lambs. What an interesting interaction. I was reading this this week, and you know what's interesting is Jesus never forgives Peter. Jesus doesn't say, Peter, I forgive you. I mean, maybe he does. It's not recorded that that's what Jesus was doing that for. And, I, and I'm reading this story, and I'm reading this part of the story in, in the context of what it means to be close to someone. Someone. I'm trying to understand what's going on in Peter's mind. And I feel like out of all the characters in the Bible, I can relate to Peter because he is constantly saying the wrong thing. He's constantly messing up. And you, you, you think he has a good heart, but some of his actions don't really line up with that. And so I feel like I get this guy. And I look at, I look at this in the context of Jesus knowing Peter. Peter. Because it's hard to spend that much time with someone and not know them, but it's also difficult to know someone that doesn't want to be known. Do you know people like this? Do you know people in your life, maybe they're your parents or your kids or your friends, who you try to know them, you spend a lot of time with them, you see them on holidays, but they're the kind of people that give one-word answers when you ask a question. Hey, how are things going at work? Good. Okay. Great detail. How's things going? How are your kids? They're good. All right. Friendship over. Hit you up on Facebook next year for Christmas. Right? And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with, again, you don't need to become like, you don't need to become like me. You don't need to become an over-sharer. But there are some people who don't want to be known. For some people, it is terrifying to be known. You know why it's terrifying to be known? What if someone gets to know you, the real you, and they don't like you? That is terrifying. It's easy to hold people off right here and say, if you don't like me, that's fine. You don't really know me. But as soon as you make the conscious, intentional choice to let someone get to know the real you, and then they don't like you, then they hurt you, then they reject you, that is painful. And many people say, you know what? it's not worth it it's not worth the risk of being rejected for who i really am when i can keep people out here at arms length and if they like me fine if they don't i don't care so what about this story and again this is this this part of the story i'm just again i'm reading it through the context of what it means to be close to someone But what I see here is two people who know each other. I see Jesus knowing Peter. I see Jesus asking Peter three times the same question. Maybe so Peter can connect to the three times that he denied Jesus. And I thought it was so fascinating. My whole Christian life, which is about... 15 years, maybe 16 years. I assumed that moment. I just assumed that is where Jesus forgave Peter. And you could easily make that assumption and you could make a great case for it, but it never says that. It never says Jesus needed to forgive Peter. So he asked him three times. It never says Peter needed forgiveness, so Jesus came to him with this. What happens here, what happens here, in fact, in some of your Bibles, if you've ever noticed when you're reading the Bible, some of the sections have little headers. That's to help you understand what this next section is going to be about. It's very helpful. And a lot of times when you read in different uh, translations, that particular section, the header for that is Jesus restores Peter. I thought that was Fascinating. I don't know if I had ever really paid attention to that wording. It wasn't Jesus forgives Peter. It was Jesus restores Peter. Because Jesus can forgive everyone. In fact, the whole story of Jesus going to the cross, he went there so that we could be forgiven, so that we could live forgiven. God has forgiven everyone. God has forgiven everything. There is nothing that any of us owe God anymore because of what Jesus did. So we don't need to beg for forgiveness. We already have it. And Jesus right here takes it a step further. Not only does Jesus already forgive, I, this, is, this is just, I'm going to step into Dom's opinion circle, okay? This is Dom's opinion. This is not me as a Bible scholar. What I think, what I see, my opinion, is that Jesus, it doesn't say Jesus forgives Peter because there was no forgiveness needed. Jesus already knew he was going to do that. Jesus already knew that that was going to happen. So there was nothing to forgive. Forgive what? I already knew that. I loved you before that, I loved you when I knew that, I loved you during that, and I love you now. So what do I need to forgive? You ever had somebody somebody you're very close to say something hurtful, say something mean, do something hurtful, forget your birthday, do something thoughtless? And you experience this like, Well, I didn't like that, but I don't hate them now. I already forgave them. It's already forgiven. So now what needs to happen? What needs to happen in a relationship when something is forgiven? Now there is a chance for restoration. Now there is a chance to show someone how well you know them. That's what I see in this relationship between Jesus and Peter. If you're taking notes, or if you're going to take notes, write this down or take a photo of this or whatever you want to do. Being known isn't about being predictable. It's about being vulnerable. Being known doesn't mean that someone knows what your deep sigh means. Being known doesn't mean that someone knows what it means when you grab your head and and look frustrated. Being known is about showing parts and sharing parts of who you really are. And it doesn't need to be everybody. It can just be one person. In fact, this week I'm going to challenge you to start with one person. Who knows you? Not, what, not who knows what you're gonna say, not who knows what you're gonna do, but who knows the inner parts of you? Who knows why you've been avoiding a particular topic? Who knows why you love doing what you do? Who knows why it's difficult for you to talk about your parents? Who knows why it's difficult for you to leave the job you're at and go find a new one. These are things that we intentionally let people know. No one can know these things just by observing. No one can know these things by accident. Just because you're predictable doesn't mean we know you. It's going to take you choosing to be vulnerable, to be truly known that's what i see in the relationship between peter and jesus peter made himself available to be known made himself vulnerable to be known by jesus and through that knowing jesus was able to restore peter and you got to read the story peter goes on to do amazing things for the church the capital c church peter goes on to live a life that he was meant to live not because peter not because jesus forgave him he was already forgiven But because Jesus restored him and he knew Peter well enough to restore him the way that Peter needed to be restored. Okay, if you're taking notes, write this down here. Being known by those around us empowers us to be who we really are. Peter being known by Jesus empowered him to step back into who Jesus already knew he was. You see that? Jesus didn't bestow some power on him to now go out and be the leader that he was training him to be, to now go out and be the person, the man of God that he was showing him he could be. Jesus knew Peter, knew what he needed to be restored, and because of that, Peter now becomes empowered through being known. Who knows you? Who really knows you? Does God know you? Does your spouse know you? Do your kids know you? Do your parents know you? Do your friends know you? Who are you letting yourself be known by? Last thing I want you to write down is this. Someone who knows you will help restore you from a mistake, not shame you for it. There's plenty of people who will judge you for making a mistake, who will shame you for making a mistake, who will guilt you for making a mistake. That's fine. Plenty of people who will do that. But you know you found someone who really knows you if they want to help restore you from a mistake. The same way Jesus did with Peter, when they want to restore you from a mistake and not shame you for it. There's things about my life that my wife and my son know that not everybody knows. Things that make me anxious, things that make me depressed things I'm scared to talk about, things I want to avoid. I have people in my life that I have made the choice to let in. And I, I, I couldn't possibly ask you to be like me. I don't want you to be like me. I, I know that we're all on different journeys of faith. We're all on different journeys of emotional health and spiritual health and mental health and, and, and everything in between. But what I do want to challenge you with today is to choose one person this week that you will allow to get to know you. Whatever small step that is. I don't mean, you, you know, need to go to counseling together, or, or maybe you do. I don't know what your life is. You probably should. I mean, who will you choose to let in just a little bit, just a little bit more? Who will you choose to do that? Can you choose to do that? Do you want to? We talk about choice so much at the heart because it means everything. Jesus chose to go to the cross. He wasn't forced to, he chose to. That's what makes that act so powerful. That's what makes that act so meaningful is that it was a choice for Jesus to do that. So that's what I wanna offer you. I wanna offer you a choice to let someone in, just one person and just a little bit more this week. If you could, I want you to close your eyes for a moment. I'm going to pray for us. God, we are so grateful to be here today. We're so grateful that we are known by you. God, we're grateful for the people in our life who know us and that we know. God, I pray this week that we would be bold, that we would be brave, that we would take a step in being a little bit more vulnerable than we already are and being known a little bit more than we already are. God, I pray that as we open up ourselves to be known, as we open up ourselves to be vulnerable, I pray that we would see how that grows our faith, how that grows our relationships, and how that grows who we are. Thank you for being with us in that, in the middle of it. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Heart Podcast. At The Heart, our mission and goal is to connect people to the heart of God. If you would like to pursue a relationship with Jesus Christ, please visit us at www.theheart.church for more information. If today's message connected with you, we want to invite you to share it with someone who might benefit from it. And if you live near San Marcos, Texas, we'd like to invite you to visit us this Sunday morning, where we have two experiences for you to choose from at 9.30 and 11 a.m., all happening at the Spot Cinema House and Eatery. Remember to be bold this week and connect with those around you. It's how our relationships grow and how your faith grows.